Hi, this is Cliff Krigo for the picture-poems.com website in the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. I wanted to pick up uh, where we left off with the circle in the square project, talking hands, talking feet. And since I haven't done um, a tape in a while with Talking Hands, um, I thought it would be a good idea just to start over again and uh, summarize uh, what we've done up to now. First, uh, space and time. It's the end of August, Sunday the 25th. 2019, and as you can probably hear, I'm seated comfortably on the ground next to a wonderful clear flowing stream, the West Fork of the Wallawa, that flows directly into Wallawa Lake. And that's where I'm headed today. It's about, uh, we're about 11K upstream from the lake. And we're at about uh, 1,800 meters in uh, round numbers. Isn't that a wonderful sound? Just a few kilometers upstream, it's a rushing torrent, but here it's in flatter ground, slowing into broad uh, meanders. It's a marvelous uh, blue sky Oregon day. Not a cloud in sight. It's not too warm yet. Not too many muzzies or flies. It's about 9.30 in the morning. And I thought it would be a good idea to pick up uh, where we left off. So Talking Hands, Talking Feet is, you can think of it as a technique. Usually techniques are um, something that we do to master uh, a task, like learning to read a compass out here in the wilderness or an altimeter or barometer, but it's much more than simply a technique. I think of it as a uh, practice, and uh, much like music or poetry itself, that's how I think of poetry, just like music, basically one whole movement. I don't divide them. So you work at it every day. Uh, say, like, uh, we all can imagine ourselves being a uh, concert pianist and having to keep up our technique and uh, working on etudes, uh, coming back to our Bach every day and getting ready for concerts. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, life's uh, devotion, but also a privilege. And talking hands, talking feet is uh, unfolded, uh, was created, discovered, however you want to think of it like that. So it's, you can think of it also as a kind of uh, yoga practice, uh, 
You can easily integrate it into your daily yoga practice, as I do, or a part of your Alexander technique. We're going to do um, a quartet of Alexander, FM Alexander aphorisms. I call them teaching aphorisms. I don't teach the technique myself, but I have been involved with it on and off for decades and have known and worked with uh, many teachers intimately. And uh, <clears throat> as a note of caution, none of them really <laughs> have tuned in yet, have tuned in to talking hands, talking feet. I have a much wider, more general interpretation of the uh, technique, AT as they themselves call it, than they themselves. Um, perhaps we'll touch on that as we go along. But I'm uh, seated here. The muzzies aren't bothering us yet. They could quickly change once it gets a little bit warmer. And uh, looking out on this beautifully pure uh, mountain water. And I was thinking, I have a, a riff on uh, Henry David Thoreau's Simplify, Simplify. I'm always saying to myself, purify, purify, purify. And I thought very early this morning while fetching water right from this very stream or a branch thereof. You can drink it right out of the stream, no filter, nothing. It's running at, uh, I didn't measure it precisely, but I have a, a thermometer, a very good one, uh, right attached to my uh, water pouch. So I'm keeping close tabs on the temperature that's important for your field work and climate crisis on here. It's about uh, 12 um, degrees centigrade. And don't forget, uh, bull trouts uh, don't um, go beyond uh, 10 C. So for a mountain stream, that's still fairly warm. But it's wonderful water. And I was thinking purify, purify. Well, just like this water, water isn't really a thing. It's a movement just like the air, constantly purifying itself, constantly healing itself, constantly moving towards wholeness, constantly um, changing shape and form and state. And there might be a secret there that uh, if we were so inclined we might be able to Contact, purify, purify movement. So in the spirit of keeping movement with uh, talking hands, talking feet, well, so we have it as a practice. And um, I devote myself to it uh, sometimes hours a day. <laughs> and it uh, very gradually came to be as many of... Uh, our regular listeners know I have a whole background in performing music 
And uh, I always used to say, this is many years ago already, that uh, if you're still using music, if you're using music, you're still practicing. If you're using music, you're still practicing. So th this is how I would do, just thinking out loud. That's how I use um, talking hands, talking feet. You see, if you wanted to know the step, the steps of a dance, of that little scene, if you're still using music, you're still practicing. Not dogmatically, I mean, there's some musics and some performers that prefer having music on the stand or on their device. Uh, but the whole point is is that uh, we have to demonstrate uh, love and truth as performers. And uh, obviously, if somebody's reading from a text, <laughs> there's not going to be a great deal of emotional uh, love and truth uh, depth, is there? So it's not just to honor the music but it, or the poem. Another saying I have, so that's 11 steps. Now to count that, you do it in what's called step time. If you're still using music, if, you see, I made a mistake. If you're, you, that's why you practice. If you're using music, if you're using music, you're still practicing. See, there are two-step words, three-step words. Very rarely in English, more than five-step uh, words. The other name for that is syllable, syllable, but we prefer steps because it is easier to teach the kids in self-referential because they're actually steps we do. And don't forget, in talking hands, talking feet, we talked about this in one of the talks, that uh, there is a synergism, synchronicity, to use big fancy words, between hand tongue, fingers, or just be simple, hand, tongue, and foot. They're both, all three, one-step words, hand, tongue, foot. And kids don't really have to be taught this, they just have to be awakened to it. And they get it right away because it's perfectly natural. That's a part of what I think is the power of the technique or practice talking hands, talking feet. So, uh, that's impossible to do for some reason. You can test it yourself, don't take my word for it. But you uh, you don't, for some reason, it's very difficult to count. And don't force it, because I'm sure you can learn to do it if you force it. Um, to count steps and to perform steps at the same time. It's better to keep those two modalities, movements, separate. And then they complement each other instead of fighting each other. So I'm looking at the water. We're being a good Taoist this morning. Just listening to the water. I'm totally out of everything. So that's a way to purify. <laughs> That keeps you honest, but it's a fairly easy walk out.
And then I hit uh, Disneyland after two or three weeks doing wilderness uh, climate crisis, uh, whitebark pine plant photography work, water work. I'm going into the very epicenter of car culture tourism where it shouldn't be at the south end of the world-class uh, Wagawa Lake. It should have been a car-free uh, zone, perhaps with a very innovative uh, high-speed rail line just doing, what is it, uh, 10 kilometers or it's less uh, from town to the south side. And uh, I always think with tourism, you never have too many people, people, as the Native Americans say, but you can easily, and there you will, have far too many cars. And all the evilness, the noise, pollution, the particulate pollution, the carbon pollution, the insensitivity, the brute force violence that that encourages. And it's in such a contradiction to the Tao to the what is of living energy. Well, uh, Talking Hands, Talking Feet is a way of transcending the contradiction. And uh, so that, oh, now the flies are coming, so that could shut our sessions short. But we're doing the best we can. So if you're still using music, if you're, you see, I made that mistake. I, <laughs> if I practice it a few days, I won't do that any longer. Well, that's how the technique was discovered. When you're conducting, it's a great insult to the music and to your people, your orchestra, if you're not uh, prepared A to Z and know the score like you know the territory of a wilderness if you're a mountaineer by heart. Because basically, to use that analogy, you're a guide of discovery through really rugged, rough, wild, exciting, unknown wilderness terrain. That's what music is in the circle and the square. It's not just flabby, lazy commercial sounds that we repeat over and over again. But it can be a challenge. Exciting. So we're encouraging people to get out here to put it on your device and listen to the uh, four new uh, concert composites at the Circle in the Square. What's it called? Think of a river. Not in chronological order, but the, I'm thinking of a river right now. The horse flies are coming in. Boy, if they bite you. <laughs> Think of a river. Ice Mountain, Threefold Revolution, that we just did up on top of a mountain, but that was more than a week ago. And um, The Philosopher's Liar. See, now I could practice that with talking hands, talking feet. That's how I do these things. But let's stick with uh, Alexander.
That's a tree squirrel joining in. He's got a very unique sense of rhythm. More horseflies. Well, let's uh, jump right in with a little bit of AT. We have four of them. You can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. Now, if we count the steps, uh, now you can ask yourself, even if you're a poet or a writer, why on earth count the steps? Well, it's a part of bringing music and poetry together. And it's a measure. It's both a simple and infinitely complex measure, as complex as we need it, and hopefully never unnecessarily difficult or complicated. There's a lot of that everywhere. So we're not against I poetry, poetry that's been notated or written down, but we are questioning the wisdom of I dominant uh, poetry culture. Because just as we do that in music, but in poetry it's even worse because it totally leads us down um, a fake, false, hypocritical path. Uh, we're sitting in Nimipu country. what was uh, in a corrupt French Nez Perce, Pierce Nose, Native American territory. There was an attempted genocide that peaked at 1877, and the war started. What should be called a war? No, it's more of a genocide. Um, attempted genocide. They're recovering. But the war, uh, attempted genocide, started uh, just um, 11 kilometers downstream. So that resonance of an unresolved uh, violence still resonates everywhere here. And the further you go downstream, the more it will intensify. So 17 steps measure resonance. Well, you can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. Well, if you do that in step time, that's the simplest version. You simply pound your knee. Well, I'm sitting in yoga position, so I can pound my right knee. And they're called yang beats. Masculine, accentuated, hard, loud beats and undifferentiated, so you don't put accents. You don't go, you can't do something. You, no, no, no. So you straighten it out. <laughs> you see, we have all this complex, uh, complicated anacrusis for an upbeat. That's just, um, out here we call that uh, nonsense. It'll get in the way if you start thinking that way. Just straighten it out. Start to learn it by heart. Make a commitment to get serious about this, like you do with yoga or AT, or your musical practice. Perhaps you've been drinking too much, using drugs again, or whatever, and you lose your left-hand technique if you're a cellist. Well, you can get it back. Purify, 
purify. And one of the first steps I always say is to come back to wilderness, the source. And you don't have to do anything physically all that uh, challenging other than be, being able to walk, maybe carry a super light backpack, just for a day or two, and come to a place where I'm sitting now is flat. It's an absolutely devastated forest, lodgepole pine, all been killed by mountain pine beetle. It's very different than um, with white bark pine because uh, they co-evolved. But there are dead standing lodgepole, about uh, 25 meters tall, as straight as a telephone pole, about that size, and they're everywhere. And the rest of the forest is in bad shape. <laughs> and I'm camped in a god awful. There is uh, Chirsium canadense, it's a uh, thistle. I hope I got the species right, but it don't matter because it is a devilish weed. <laughs> it's everywhere. You can't sit, you can't do anything. So, yeah, lots of bugs, you're going to be bitten and eaten by muzzies. And, but uh, the, that's all cyclical. Right. Once it gets, uh, the sun eclipses to the west, we're looking a little bit to the west there, and cools down. That shuts down the whole bug show, just like in winter. In winter, there are no bugs, so you don't have to deal with that, just avalanches. So it's not too bad yet. And we're looking at this water. Keep moving. So you can tell, keep moving. Okay, talking hands, talking feet. You can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. You say you can do that in infinitely many ways, but in talking heads, when we simplify it, this is Yang style. You can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. It's 17 beats, steps. Now, I'm doing that with my hand, obviously with my tongue, as I... Uh, chant or say it, and I could be doing it with my feet all together at once, clapping and whatnot, so you could be dancing in a circle, learning this for yourself, and then teaching it to your students the very same afternoon, if say if you were a pianist or an AT teacher or a yoga teacher, and it happens to be a very profound insight, so in the circle in the square at csdesmusic.com, um, we're always asking questions and the sign of natural intelligence is asking the right questions also when we're composing by the way that's the first thing I want to know from say a young composer what are their problems what are the questions that they're asking you see, most uh, young composers, they just kind of happen into a um, legacy that is not flowing, <laughs> that is basically a, uh, an era tradition, era, irregular, so that is um, a false uh, tradition. That means it's not living, it's not creating, it's not generating wilderness, the unknown, like this river is. 
they're born into a legacy and 90% of it at least is totally corrupt and corrupting. Now, if that's true, don't take my word for it. Just step back and look at it. Obviously, we're doing a lot of things wrong because we're destroying our nest, right? We're destroying the entire uh, livable climate. Well, that is big. And it would be an unreasonable assumption. We're destroying the water. So once I go down, the further down I get, at Wolawa Lake, I would no longer drink from the lake. When the Nez Perce War, the Nimipo genocide, attempted genocide, started in 1877, you drank directly from the lake. There were salmon running multiple times of a year. A direct resonance with the great Columbia watershed. We can count the years, that's about a century and a half, that's all been totally devastated. It would be an unreasonable assumption to assume that the people who devastated all that, by, we're not picking sides, we're all brothers and sisters, sitting in the circle here, well, those who went wrong. So evilness is not out there like a force in our view. Like you say in the Zoroastrians say, um, you have a dark force and then a white force, to use my own words. Angri Manu, Mainu, and Ahura Mazda. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. They're still very much alive in the Persian tradition. Um, well, uh, you can kind of feel that that's our good and evil in more of the Christian corrupted cultures of the world. I'm using my language correctly because I question every organized religion that has a name, including Buddhism. So we're stepping back from that. But notice that, that the Darth Vader way of looking which I don't know at all, but I know I have seen enough. I would not watch that if you were to commission me to watch it, because I don't want to be corrupted uh, by that way of oversimplistic thinking about the universe. But you know what I'm talking about, the Darth Vader, the snow machiner with the black helmet, and um, the force for good. <laughs> Well, all we're saying is that good, basically, and evil are not related. That's from Krishnamurti. And I think that's true, because they have a, uh, um, just like this marvelous uh, mountain river, they have a totally different source. Pure water does not have anything in common with the pollution. The pollution is being added by car plastic uh, culture further downstream. That's the theme of that concert CD collection, composite, Think of a River. Think of a river where it begins. Think of a river where it begins in high mountains with snow fields 
in glaciers. Think of a river, where it begins. Well, the whole theme of that collection is that consciousness in the flowing movement of the river are one. And that's what Talking Hands, Talking Feet is about, is taking away the, uh, the corruption, the pollution from our language. Like um, the great Hinmatu Yalakit, what was by, imagine, that means thunder rolling over mountains, the younger leader of the Nimipu, right at the peak of the attempted genocide. Um, the Christian culture gave him a biblical name, Joseph. They didn't want to be <laughs> We couldn't be bothered to learn the native names. It's a great insult. Notice that the French were vastly superior to the English. There must be a reason for that. They learned the language. They learned the plants. They learned how to sustain themselves, the Native American ways, even married with Native American women. What's that ugly word, assimilated? But there is a reason for that that I don't understand. Talking hands, talking feet. So you can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. And if you simplify it further, you can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. If you're a singer, that's a marvelous technique. Because you're chanting, as soon as you start sustaining the energy, that's what we call it, the sostenuto of the sound, then the breath becomes not only evident in, how do you say that, uh, in awareness, what's the right word, a central in awareness, but you begin to work on the rhythm of the breath. Something in our use of language, and of course it touches our poetry as well, uh, we've completely lost. I've spoken about that before, that the natural relationship. This is what formally uh, the circle and the square is about. So you have to be seriously interested. It's for composers, poets, mathematicians. The relationship in natural sound in speech is what we call one-to-one. -one. Sound, silence. And when someone, not myself, I'm not very good at it, but I'm practicing, that uh, um, purify, purify, purify. When someone is really listening to their speech, the meaning, and how that is resonating with not just uh, those who are listening, but the universe, that means the, the ground of truth, just a sense of the meaning of it, the relationship between speaking and stopping is one-to-one. -one. For me, that's a fact. But uh, uh, just take it as a theory and play with it. Don't forget, theory, in fact, always co-evolve. 
And even that is a theory, right? So you can't get out of it, that's fun. You're in a circle that just keeps on expanding. So look at it, don't take my word for it. So one-to-one, and now what would a music sound like, one-to-one? Well, there's a lot of excellent, um, it's like the folk uh, music, landed music, not popular, not commercial, world uh, music, maybe that's a better, like I I would almost put... uh, Like Woody Guthrie is world uh, music. But if you think of a phrase, there's a man with a gun over there. (laughs) And then you think you're going to compose the song chords and all the rest of the... There's a lot of um, world uh, folk popular music that will do a half a measure text and a half a measure is the rhythm. And it works very well. Because what happens in consciousness as a listener and as a performer as well is that you echo in a cyclical way everything that has been said or performed. There's a man with a gun over there And now listen to that phrase inside your head, as we say. In the circle and the square, sound is an inner sound. So you're listening, as we say, without trying to be fancy or uh, overly sophisticated. Um, You're listening listening to it inwardly with your inner ear, as musicians say. But even that's a very limited expression. I think with your whole being... Think water, how you're drinking drinking it. It becomes a part of your being, and you're listening to it inwardly. Well, that's the whole point of devotion to talking hands, talking feet, because you get very, very good at it. (laughs) Much better than if you're just like the piano. There's nothing mysterious. You practice, and you get good at it. So you develop that both unique, your own inner voice, but also a more general sense of the inner voice of the world, of nature. At the same time, be forewarned, you become much more um, sensitive to noise. In a very simple way, noise we're defining. Um as unwanted, polluting, corrupting, unwholesome, unhealthy, um, disturbing, illness-causing sound. I first discovered that. It's time to loosen up a little here. We've reached our halfway point. That one of the reasons I decided after uh, some 10, 15 years of devoting myself to Uh, conducting new music, and mostly music of other composers, is that the quality of the music was so deeply disturbing, 
And I was talking about the, the major composers of the, say, say, the second half of the 20th century, was so deeply disturbing to me, disappointing, it would cause a kind of tension that verged very closely on illness. And my insight, if I may call it that, is that, gee, of course, if you keep doing this, you're going to kill yourself. Because uh, I can remember ice climbing, practicing in the Alps, and I had uh, two ice axes, and I was going up a waterfall, and I was cursing um, the great Elliot Carter every time I rammed that ice axe into the ice. I said, I'm going to stop this goddamn bullshit. <laughs> That's because I was learning Elliot Carter by heart. <laughs> and very good pieces, too that uh, I wouldn't encourage anybody to listen to them, really. Composers, yes. I wouldn't listen to them out here. That's always my uh, test. If I don't take it in my backpack, like the proverbial book on the, your last book on a last island, then, uh, well, gee, there must be something missing, if not lacking, if not wrong with it. Well, I was doing very great pieces... <laughs> by a wonderful human being and it was just driving me nuts and that's when I had the I'm going to stop this and uh, wound up um, on many second sailings and uh, eventually doing music think of it in the heart of the wilderness so is that full circle was well, some sort of spiral of some kind but it was, um, you know, the teacher is the taught. So I'm a great believer. That's what the circle in the square is about. Learning to learn. Learning to listen. Which obviously is a lifelong project. Huh? Perhaps many lives we don't know. Out here, that's what it seems like. Notice that here, sitting in wilderness, we might have to put up with muzzies, muzzies, that's what the Australians say, mosquitoes, or um, um, horseflies galore, but we don't have to put up with the slam of a car door, the start of a diesel truck, or one vehicle after the other. And all of these people who are professional tourists that have made a tourist without resonating with Mother Earth at all. And that's what the car and car culture have taken away from, especially sad with children. And here they come to these beautiful places. But wilderness is protected, first and foremost, because there are no roads and therefore no cars, not even the possibility. So just let that sink in. We need a protected space for doing art and music and poetry and philosophy like that. It's not too late. That's why I tell I drive my uh, Wallawa uh, North uh, Eagle Cap Wilderness Friends crazy because 
I don't accept the legacy of what's already there. I'm totally not insensitive, I'm indifferent to it. It doesn't mean anything to me. That's what philosophy is. The legacy is not very relevant. What is relevant is truth, which we don't know, can never know. But how what is there resonates with that ground. And that highway is wrong. Because it breaks our resonance with the earth. And we need, first and foremost, with climate crisis, all this language, adapt, mitigate, suffer, <laughs> it, uh, no, there's only one problem, and that's violence. And we need to heal our relationship with the earth. And then the climate will naturally heal. So there's no need to super, super glue ourselves to the front door of the White House. Although it might have an effect on the short term. But the way the water thinks, the way the glaciers think above us, the snow fields, the way the trees in the forest time think, they take a much, much broader view of things. And the way the spirit of music thinks, it's almost timeless and then shades off to something that is timeless. And that's what we're here to protect, to tune into, to resonate with. So you can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. You can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. Notice you'll develop a completely different sense of true cadence. That means um, goal and movement, where you're shooting your arrow to when you're moving out sound. All sound is circles moving out to infinity that we're projecting. Why architects don't see that <laughs> when they're designing concert spaces. But anyway, you always want the performer always has to be in the lowest spot, not up on stage, always the lowest. And then resonating up to the stars from the center of the earth. That's how we work in the circle in the square and if we got it right we never know it but we always know it when it's not right and then you can wind up faking it right <laughs> because the show's got to go on you got to get out there and play and uh, well that's just the way it is and then the next time okay forgive yourself purify purify, purify. we come back here with all these weeds <laughs> it's amazing this place is, but whatever happened here, and it's very hard, that's why I'm doing, I'm figuring out, but this place is new to me relatively. And it's a god-awful mess. <laughs> Not in the wilderness sense, you know, avalanches, windfall, impossible to make your way. That That's just natural complexity. There are other things happening here. So healing... You can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. Now, if we're going to count that, this is our second technique. 
as you probably remember, or go back and review some of the other talking hands, uh, we count in fives. And there are many reasons for that that I don't want to uh, rehearse again right now. But we have five fingers, five toes. I have a sore toe, so wish me um, <laughs> all the best. I got a long way to go. I'm just kidding. And <laughs> But uh, Pinta, Pentagon, well, it's the sign uh, of wholeness, and not for nothing. One, two, three, five. I was kidding with somebody. I, I give lots of little improvisational talks up here about uh, especially white barks. Well, pines, they come in one, two, three, five. They skip four. So one suspects a Fibonacci geometric series there somewhere. <laughs> Although they stop uh, at five. And um, five to a bundle or to a fascicle, what Emily Dickinson called her bundles of poems. Which editors went in right away and screwed up. <laughs> she would stitch them together. I can just see that. Such care, such devotion. Well, I would hope that uh, Miss Dickinson would know exactly what we're talking about. With measure, the whole point of measure is to transcend it, to be free of it. But we need it just like I need to march in a steady rhythm to get down to the lake. So in some places, measure is a good thing. It's not a handicap. And right measure is good measure that's in tune with the ground of what is. Now, how do we know that? Only by experimenting. Purify, purify. And if it happens not to work anymore, we throw it out. Well, there's a lot that needs to be thrown out in both poetry and the performing arts and music especially. So that's what the circle and the square is about. Without being critical, that's not the point. And certainly not ad hominem uh, attacking the person attacks, like what we said about the great uh, Elliot Carter. But great composers can be greatly wrong. <laughs> There's a kind of independence of great ability and talent and mechanical intellect, and then the ideas you plug into that. It only takes one bad idea to destroy musical culture. Say like Schoenberger, 12-tone music. That will absolutely destroy. It almost destroyed Stravinsky. It almost destroyed Charles Ives. And it almost destroyed uh, the greatest of all, in a way, Edgar Varese. That's probably why they all left Europe. Get the hell out of here. It's time now for another anecdote. After the Rite of Spring, when there was still, I don't remember the year, but Igor Stravinsky, still in his 30s, heard a performance of Pierre Lunier in um, Berlin. 
And, of course, uh, there was a whole circle around Arnold Schoenberg, all his students and admirers and whatnot. And um, I actually studied uh, with the uh, viola player um, of the great college string quartet who did all the premieres of Arnold Schoenberg. So I have a purely close personal resonance and connection. I absolutely despise uh, Pierre Munier in Schoenberg. Not all of it. The earlier pre-insanity uh, phase when he was doing all the self-portraits. I'm using a lot of uh, tongue-in-cheek judgmental language, but that's fun out here. I'm gesticulating to the heavens. Uh, all that means is, for Christ's sake, wake up. <laughs> And I have a right to speak. The orchestra I started was originally Osco. And if I would have stayed there, it would have remained Osco. It would have never merged with the Schoenberg Ensemble, which had a totally different way of playing and rhythm. And They were good and had pretty good string players. But it was a totally different philosophy. So when that happened in my absence, thank God, uh, I was just devastated, heartbroken. Oh, well, they've lost it. And then, indeed, they have. I don't mean that as criticism. Uh, it only takes one bad idea to destroy an orchestra. <laughs> well, we're purifying, purifying. So keep moving, Cliff, back to talking hands, talking feet. You can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. And if we do it in natural time, speech time, you can't do something you don't know. Little chipmunk, I'm talking to him. You can't do something you don't... He's listening. She's listening. You don't know. If you keep on doing... He's standing up, shaking his tail, fully alert. They're much more alive than we are. You can't do something, oh, now he's out of here because I started to preach to him. <laughs> like St. Francis to his birds. Well, the concept, so we have, we count in fives. One, two, three, four, five. Boom, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two. Well, this happens to be a 17-step miniature. If we keep on going at this pace, we'll, only, we'll never get past it. But one, two, three, four, five, two, two, three, four, five, three, two, three, four, five, one, two. And you tap that you conduct that gently with one hand, and then you do what are called the big uh, measured beats. This is not, this is independent of the natural language thing. That's crucially important to understand. And it might not be self-obvious at first. You have to directly experience the insight of why it's so crucial to do for yourself. I can only take you to the water, but you have to drink yourself. So that's 17 steps. So this is Zin, um, or forgive me, Yang. You can't do some all the same, and now we're doing it one, two, three, four, five, six, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two. Well, if you do poetry, Japanese poetry, seventeen steps. Ah, it must be a haiku. Well, where did those seventeen steps come from? 
Forget about the form, you know, five, seven, five. Forget about that. That's interesting, but we're generalizing 17 step. You could spend the rest of your days simply composing 17 step poems. Now, why is 17 such a big number? Well, we're saying because of its relationship with the breath. Without forcing, you can easily say, you can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. It's one breath. It wouldn't be natural. You'd have to be agitated. You can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. That wouldn't, you could do that theatrically for the effect. But the breath in music and poetry and just everything out here is crucial. Why? Because it's the central measure to Homo sapiens. You see that little chipmunk was, that was just here. What is his heart is probably going at 200 pulses. I don't know, so don't quote me. I'm just guessing. It's not much bigger than my hand. So the smaller the creatura, the faster the sense of time space, the larger the opposite. You see how that works? And we're in some magical middle realm, not quite the realm of the humpback, blue whale, pilot whales but in some magical middle realm that we no longer, if we ever did, understand. In a way, in all yoga practice, you see, the AT people do not work on breath. That's a mistake, in my view. But there are reasons for that that we can't go into now. But get a couple books and read them, or do some lessons. And if you can afford it. And uh, uh, breath. In yoga, it's the very heart and center because the breath is the life energy, right? It's one of the great world traditions with millennia of practice behind it. So every musician should stop right now and if they're not signed up at their local yoga, start doing yoga. That's not necessary if you're playing Schoenberg. <laughs> Why? Because you're so contorted in your ears if that's the music that you're doing. Well, uh, it would take years to untie your musical awareness. And it would be a heroic chore. I... Because you have to die to the past. That's what purification is. That's why this river just flows and flows and is constantly purifying itself. So we have that. We have the yang technique, duck, 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 and then in groups of fives. And uh, I'll have to draw that out, how you do that. But... Uh, uh, the, uh, obviously, if you wanted to learn uh, music seriously, rhythmically, drumming, conducting, whatever, this everything is done like yoga, left and right, right and left, left and right, right and left. 
you always, for balance, do everything with both sides. Just like walking. Every child can learn to do that. And, you know, this dominant stuff with right or left, that is far much further downstream. So I'm conducting in a pattern of five. You can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. And now I'm reversing it. I'm doing it with the left hand. And uh, that's how you would practice that. And notice uh, we're doing a seated yoga culture now, but if I weren't um, using a recording device, I would get up and start dancing that with my feet. And you can even do that when you're uh, recumbent, sleeping. You can work with your feet. And if you were really good, I can't really do that. Work with your toes. If you started young enough, you could get independence of the toes. And all of this stuff makes a very deep, profound difference. That, for me, is a fact. But just take it as a theory. They always arise together. And test it. You have to test it for yourself. Now, the third point uh, with that 17 is a crucial concept. And we're just going to touch on it now. Is uh, relational resonance. Resonance in itself is a key concept. That means literally to resound, to re-sound, like the echo of a beautiful concert hall. Well, there's no echo. If I were to shout out here, we're in the open wilderness. It's hard to find uh, good resonant echoes. But this, um, uh, in performance, we need that, to have the sound come back for us. And I can't go into that now, but otherwise it's Im impossible to develop a living, full, sonorous, broad, and all-enveloping sound. It's also impossible to learn how to play in tune. And John Cage's anarchic <laughs> chamber, you're not going to learn how to do anything except to go crazy. <laughs> With all due respect. In many performance spaces, I, I'm speaking for, from uh, experience, are not much better than that. We don't have much of a tradition. But it's getting better. They all be philharmonie in Hamburg is, uh, uh, no, Frankfurt, excuse me, they'll kill me. Um, or wherever, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not thinking about you in Hamburg. Uh, that's right, Hamburg, on the harbor there. It's supposed to have uh, remarkable acoustics designed by the, I can't remember his name, leading Japanese acoustic uh, designer. But anyway, back to talking hands, talking feet. Well, relational resonance, um, there is a magic uh, that deserves many talks just in itself because it's highly complex, but it's simple at the same time. That's how sounds fold into each other. You see, you have the problem that the Greeks had the privilege to contemplate is that, well, time is a mystery. Just like when I say time is a mystery, is a mystery as well, because you're composing that in your 
being in your mind into a phrase, into a breath, into a meaning. Time is a mystery. Time is a mystery. Six steps. And we make that into a whole. And there, if, but you only hear and can possibly hear in language one step at a time. And it unfolds in time. And then we get this paradox that, well, where are we at? Because the past is gone. The future isn't yet. And so we're compelled, as it were, to the conclusion that everything that exists is now. So all of infinity and eternity, that was a dipper. That's exciting. That's a bird. Um, all eternity is now. And yet we're so terribly prisoners of time, the future. What are we going to become? Hmm? What's going to happen with climate? Is there any future at all? You see, there's something very confused in that way of thinking. And that's all it is a way of thinking. And it certainly has nothing to do with poetry in the deepest sense of music. Music is the mystery of mysteries once you start to go into it. But it becomes easier if you take a very broad circle doing your yoga. Well, music is a movement of energy. What's primary is not just the sound, but really the deeper movement of this water. So try it. You can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. So 17 steps, 17 squared is 289. Well, that's a good number to remember if you're interested in the great Japanese art form of haiku. That means for each breath, it folds into a relational resonance space, which is always the square of the number of steps. But that's only to get you started. And eventually it's going to resonate out into a space which is beyond space and time. Relational resonance space. Where all time and space coexist together. And that's what music is showing us. But we don't listen. Why is a mystery? Well, I guess it has to do with all the pollution further downstream. Up here, there's time to go into these things. Plenty of time. 289. Well, our second uh, teaching aphorism of uh, F.M. Alexander... Get the Michael Gell book. I think that's what it is. Uh, body learning. That's excellent. Excellent photos for an introduction to the AT. 
Well, the second uh, aphorism, and we're doing them like you do mantra in yoga. So you're focusing on a complete mantrayama practice. But not taking it from the guru, you have to figure this out for yourself, right? Direct experience. So there's no authority. The teacher is the taught. What we're doing is learning to learn, learning to listen, which is a movement, not a thing, just like this water. Everyone wants to be right, but no one stops to consider if their idea of right is right. Now think of that. Is that true? Yes. We're always doing that. We don't stop long enough along the trail to question basic assumptions. And that's the beauty of crisis. There's nothing wrong with crisis. They're always going to be there. That's when we go wrong, misstep, take the wrong trail, get stuck, get lost. That's what we've done with the climate, what we've done with water. The climate crisis is the water crisis, and the water crisis is the climate crisis. And it's not going to be healed by simply changing the system or changing thinking. That will help. So if we got rid of capitalism, predatory capitalism, uh, the capitalism of empire, which sees this water purely as a resource, sees this water purely as a thing, and then wants to make that thing its own, and usually his own. So I own it. I have the water rights. You get the hell out of here. I'll say what the hell I want to do with it. And that's basically the Western, coming out of Christian culture, with all due respect, because of the division, right? There must be a division there's no equality. There's two guns pointed at each other, always, in Western culture. That's all we do, including composers, including poets. Water wants nothing to do with that. And I think we would be well just to take a few years to sit next to a free-flowing stream. As this water goes further downstream, it not only becomes polluted, but... Uh, it becomes controlled. Water knows no control, that freedom of movement. It finds its way. What could be in more harmony with what is the Tao, with intelligence? Well, everyone wants to be right. But no one stops to consider if their idea of right is right. So is that true? Well, um, if we do that Yang style, everyone wants to be right. If we do it in measure style, everyone wants to be right and no one stops to consider if their idea of right is right. 23. You see, I can do that and talk and record, watch the stream, listen to the birds. Uh, that's not multitasking. That's polyphony, resonance. 
So 23, if we square that, that's a much bigger number than 288. We get 529. See, it's going to go up in a magical way. But think of, uh, think of just 23 relationships. Like, look around where you're at. If you're seated outside, I hope, and listening to this downloaded on a device or walking with it somewhere, there's a lot to go into. Just look at 23. You probably can't even, I can't, keep track of. There's cone flowers. There's that uh, thistle. Yeah, we're talking here. There's an alpine aster that I forgot the a specific epithet to. Uh, there are some uh, pussy toes. Here's a uh, lodgepole horizontal dead snag that's probably already been there a hundred years and will be here two hundred years from now. It's very resistant wood. It's very straight grain. Splits easy. Used for teepee poles. And one of the icons of the wilderness it is a marvelous gray, slight gray color. Very similar, slightly darker than the white bark pines. But it's there, giving itself back to the earth. Well, that's what resonance does too. With um, relational resonance, those sounds keep resonating forever and are going back to a space which is outside of time eventually. And that's about all we can say about it. The only thing that we know about it is that we don't know anything about it, but that it's there. It cannot be proved in the Western scientific sense. So you can see we got a deep problem here. <laughs> that the most important things can never be proved. Is that true? Well, we'll leave that resonate in, in the middle. But 23 steps, 500, 529. to finish up with that 23 things. You see, there's a reason why we go one, two, three, infinity. Mother Nature does that too. That frequently, if you study the uh, unbelievably beautiful uh, geometry of flowers as movement, was frequently one, two, three, five, infinity. We don't count the anthers, the male flowering pollen creating, containing, offering parts of a flower um, after they get past five. And we're doing something similar in music. All musicians know that. And the whole point is like a... Uh, is not to get in wind, w the way of your fingers as you're performing, if you're playing piano. So the pianist and the piano are one. Not in a superficial, 
just saying that sense, but in a very deep sense. When you watch and listen to the great Glenn Gould perform, that's what's taking place. And once that happens, you transcend or is achieved or whatever you want to call it. This is the result of not just great talent and ability and exciting interest and but practice, right? That you transcend to the level where listening takes place as you're actually performing, also in poetry. And that's the sign of a great uh, performer. Because otherwise, what happens in performance? It's like you put on the CD or the record or the track, and it's just a mere mechanical repetition of the performance. That's not, however, the case with listening. Those two are independent, right? So listening is a much wider circle. Listening never stops. I, uh, when I finish this tape, so I got to finish camp here, pack up, leave no trace, and um, the boots are already on, so I'm ready to roll and head further downstream. So the purify, purify is just moving on to the next insight, the next piece, the next camp the next friendship. So our third uh, aphorism by FM, I'll put the link to the, the teaching uh, calendar, both auditory and paper version. You can put that on your device as an e-book. You can buy a hard copy to tell your friends. We could use all the support we can get uh, it's beautiful to look at because uh, I always say learning by heart is forgetting things a thousand times. You'll learn something by heart. Say you're Bach. Say you're working on an invention. You got to totally master it. And be, you let it go for a year or two. Oh, how does that beautiful E minor go? And then, then it comes back from this mysterious space. And it's not just brain cells. That's our view. It's this resonance this qualitative ground, relational resonance.